Thank you, Andrew. Uh, we're going to be in the book of Acts. If you want to take some time to turn there this morning, we'll be in Acts chapter 2. If you don't have a copy of God's Word with you and you're here in person, you can grab a Bible from under your chair. Acts chapter 2 is about page 911 in the Bible in your chair rack, and that uh, will be right getting there in a few moments. Friday morning, Wendy and I were sitting in our bedroom on a couple of chairs. We were uh, staring at a pile of unfolded laundry and an unmade bed, but we weren't doing anything about the unfolded laundry or the unmade bed. We were just sitting there, dressed for the day, ready to go, because between us and that unfolded laundry and that unmade bed was a laptop screen. And the laptop screen was looking at us and had on it the face of one of our kids' teachers because in 2021, parent-teacher conferences are done on Zoom and talking and looking at it very differently. And so we have this ability to be able to do this and we, you know, I, I didn't, certainly didn't turn around the screen and show the teacher where we were sitting. She just saw a nice wall and a nice background and a nice couple just sitting there and talking about school. It was about a year ago that we all got introduced to Zoom. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I really hate it. Maybe you love the online stuff, and sometimes it's really helpful, and sometimes it's really useful, but there are other times where it's not, and there are other times where I think we miss maybe what we lose by conducting so much of our lives in this way, necessary as it may be, keeping us safe as it may be, helpful as it may be. I understand all those things. And yet at times, I think we may overlook what we lose during those times. Last March, when we decided that the safest and most loving and caring thing we could do as a church was to go online for a while and to figure things out and wait things out, and before we came back to in-person church, there were a couple things we wanted to make sure that we had in place. And if you asked me, hey, what's important for us to take to make sure it keeps going as a church, I would say, we need to keep preaching the word of God. We need to make sure the word of God still goes out, that people keep getting it, that people keep being, you know, the church continues to get a regular dose of the word of God. I would have said we need to keep, make sure we're praying together. <clears throat> we need to make sure we're together in prayer. So we started morning and evening Zoom meetings so we could be praying together. We, of course, had prayer as a part of our online service. We circulated prayer requests because we need to keep praying together and praying for one another. We had other things. We need to keep some of our groups going. So we had some of that uh, online as well. There were many things. We need to keep being able to worship the Lord with our giving. We made opportunity and ways to do that. There were all kinds of things that we said we need to make sure keep going no matter what happens around us. But if you had asked me, like, what are the things that maybe weren't at the top of my radar screen that happen in church when we're together <clears throat> that maybe weren't on my radar screen to say we need to keep this going, I'll tell you one of them would have been the before service and after service conversations and coffee time that takes place on Sunday mornings. 
That here in Burlington, the, the cafe time before service and after, and in Belmont, the fellowship hall time before and after, I always probably would have said, that's really nice. And it's, it's a nice to have, but not a necessary to have. Like we all like getting maybe half a donut and an okay cup of coffee and, and standing around. And, and, and for me, I don't know about you, but for me, it would often end up being similar conversations as maybe I have with you the week before. Oh, how's the weather this week? How's your family doing? Oh, did you watch that game last night? Oh, anything new? And we'd have similar conversations, and maybe you did too, and seemingly superficial sometimes conversations because we didn't go real deep at those times. And so maybe that's the reason I often thought, well, you know, that's a nice to have, but not a necessary to have. But then you get in to this time that we've been in. Before, you know, between March and June when we didn't have those in-person services. And even now, I will be honest with you, I didn't realize how much was accomplished actually during those times that were very casual times. Times that, that we maybe thought, well, nothing really important took place during that time. Nothing really significant took place during that conversation about the weather and, and the family. And yet, as time went on, I realized, and maybe you did too, that something is really lost without those times. That something is lost in our relationship with one another. That when I don't get the chance to week after week look into your eyes and just say, hey, how you doing? And most of the time see that you're doing fine, but maybe sometimes see that there's something else going on and you don't get the chance to do that with each other and you don't get the chance to do that with other people in the church, that something is lost. That conversations that seem superficial, it's pretty cold out today, huh? You see that game last night? How's your family doing? How are you? How's your week? And we think, did anything really happen during that? I realized, and maybe you realized, that something did happen during that. A connection was made. A relationship was, 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 was deepened. A reminder that, that we're in this together took place. And I think we have to be honest with ourselves that maybe we lost something with that that's important. I'm not, I'm not saying we're going back to coffee time today and we're all gonna, you know, but I'm just saying, let's be honest with the importance of things that maybe we thought were not that important, but actually are pretty important. The Bible has a word, I think, for some of what went on. And what we did didn't complete this whole word the Bible has, but it was part of it. The word is fellowship. And it's a, kind of a churchy word, and I doubt you even used it in your conversation this week with anyone, certainly not with anyone who was outside the church. You said, hey, how did we, let's have fellowship. Like, it's a churchy word, I understand, but it's an important word. It comes from even a more churchy word. If we go back to the original Greek, it comes from a word called koinonia. And koinonia is the Greek word for sharing and partnership and participation with one another. And it's important. I think sometimes when we associate it simply with a coffee hour and casual conversation, that we think it's not that important. But it's actually really important. Let's look at Acts chapter 2. Let's look at Acts. We've been looking at this passage in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. 
And it says this, and I'm going to back up to verse 41 a little bit. It says this, so those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls to the church. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. We read this passage, and in the beginning we say 3,000 people are added to the church. Wouldn't that be awesome if God added people to the church like that, if people started to believe in God like that? And we read in this passage, and we see many signs and wonders were done, and we thought, wouldn't that be awesome if we saw, we came into church and signs and wonders were done, and God acted in that way. But we sometimes overlook what the people were doing. See, we want what they had, we just don't want to do what they did. And what they did, it says very clearly, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the word of God. We talked about that two weeks ago. They devoted themselves to the prayers. We talked about that last week. And we would all say those things are huge. Those things are important. But I think something we can overlook is it says they devoted themselves to the fellowship, to the fellowship with each other. They devoted themselves to one another, it wasn't just Bible reading. It wasn't just prayers. It wasn't just the services. Somehow their commitment to one another brought about the work that God wanted to do and the amazing signs and wonders and the growth of the church came about not just because they were devoted to the word, not just because they were devoted to prayer, but because they were devoted to one another, the fellowship. And we said that word devoted, we can define it this way, patiently persistent, to be patiently persistent in reading the word of God, to be patiently persistent in prayer, and this morning, to be patiently persistent in fellowship. And the reason we need to be that way is because the fellowship is created through our common faith. When you and I come into following Jesus, when you and I have a common faith with one another, suddenly we are part of a common family and fellowship is created through our common faith with one another. And when you have that, and we have the same father and we've been adopted into the same family, we have a common faith with one another. And that common faith creates an uncommon community that we are to have together. That common faith ought to create an uncommon commitment to one another. That though we may come from different economic backgrounds, though we may come from different places in life, even different countries, that that common faith creates an uncommon community and commitment to one another. 
If you've ever, as a Christian, traveled to another country, maybe work took you to another country, or maybe you went on a missions trip, and maybe you felt really out of place, and maybe they didn't speak your language, and you didn't understand everything that was going on, and you had that kind of dissonance that takes place when you're in a foreign place and aren't quite sure how to relate, and then maybe you saw somebody praying over a meal, or you saw somebody reading a Bible, and you didn't know the language, but you knew it was a Bible, or you heard the tune of a worship song with words you didn't recognize, but a tune that you knew was a worship song to God, suddenly this connection, this understanding that we have a common faith and a common bond and even a common commitment to one another because we are both serving a common father. There's, uh, when we have a common faith, it should create an uncommon commitment to one another. See, we often want what these disciples had, but don't want to do what they did. It's kind of like, you know, it's, it's like that a lot of times in life. Sometimes maybe you're in school and you look at that really smart person in school and they got into that college and they, they, they got, you know, all the, all the, you know, they get all the great grades in class. And you think, oh, they're just smart. Or maybe they just worked really hard. Sometimes we want what the early church had, but we don't want to do what the early church did, which is be devoted in fellowship to one another. A couple of years ago, we had a men's breakfast, and we had a Navy SEAL come in and speak. And it was a powerful message as he came in and shared about Christ and shared about his time as a SEAL. And after that breakfast, one of the guys that I didn't know, one of the guys that had, had come, came and went up to him and gave his name and then said, SEAL team number, and I don't remember what number he was, but he gave the SEAL team number that he was a part of. And instantly, in that moment, there was a connection between these two people. That common bond of going through Navy SEAL training and all that meant instantly bound them together. I've seen it happen with men in this church when they're both Marines or they're both been to Vietnam or there's an instant connection, there's an understanding. You and I, as followers of Jesus Christ, when, when we meet other followers of Jesus Christ, there ought to be a common bond and an uncommon commitment to one another as we serve God together. Secondly, the fellowship is needed because of our common mission. Fellowship is needed. The reason you and I need fellowship is because we have a common mission together, and if we don't have each other to spur one another on in this mission, no one else will. In the early church, the Romans weren't gonna do it. The Jewish people didn't believe weren't gonna do it. They were against these early Christians. You need followers of Christ to spur you on in the mission that God has called you to. We need each other to remind us of the common mission that we have. There is so much that works against you in your mission in this world. There's so much that makes it difficult that you need fellow believers along the way who will help you encourage you in the mission. You need people in your life who will love you enough to speak truth to you about who you are in Christ. You know, sometimes we talk about having accountability people in our lives, and sometimes we think, well, that's just someone who would just listen to me complain and then, you know, say, okay, I'll pray for you. 
what you need as we are in fellowship, to be in fellowship with people who will say, okay, I hear you. I understand your pain. Here's what God is saying. Here's, what, here's who you are in Jesus. Here's what the truth of the word is. Stay on mission. Don't lose focus. You need people in your life. I need people in my life who are going to do that. And that only comes through patient, persistent relationship and fellowship with one another. There are so many things in our world that work against this kind of relationship. And I don't mean just COVID right now, which makes it difficult for sure. But things like our prizing of our privacy almost to the point of making it an idol in our lives work against our fellowship with one another. That we live in a world that prizes privacy and anonymity to the point that we don't share anything with anyone anymore. We build back decks and not front porches. We close our garage doors. We close ourselves off. We walk in. We walk out. We never share our lives with one another. And we lose out in people spurring us on to the mission because we do not walk in true fellowship and relationship with one another. We're a very individualized society. New England has a very independent mindset. I'm going to do it on my own. I don't need your help. I'm not even going to tell you when I need help. And I expect you to do it on your own and you to be independent. That's not what the word is. When we walk together, we walk together as family. Do you see all the things that they did sharing with one another, caring for one another's needs? You need to be aware of each other's needs if we're going to care for each other's needs. We need the fellowship. It's hard, not to, talk, it's hard to talk about the fellowship without at least alluding to J.R.R. Tolkien's Lord of the Rings because one of his books is called The Fellowship of the Ring. And it's this idea that they had this mission for this ring to destroy this ring. And, and if you haven't seen the movie, I mean, you've had enough time. I'm not giving away too much here. But they have this Frodo Baggins has this mission, right? He's going to destroy the ring. But in order for Frodo to do it, he needs the fellowship of the nine who will fight with him, who will walk with him, who will go with him to help him to complete the mission that he's been given. You and I need the fellowship to help us continue on the mission that God has given you. Thirdly, the fellowship, it's created by our common faith. It's needed because of our common mission, but it's experienced through our common activity. It's experienced through our common activity. There's something I think that is often missed in this passage of scripture that I think is important. It's three words, and they are this, and day by day, attending temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they receive their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number, say these three words with me, day by day. That wasn't fair. Let's do it again. I know you got a mask on. You can be louder than that. Day by day. Did you notice the parallelism? The Lord adds to their number day by day. But in the first part, day by day, they are meeting together in each other's homes. They are breaking bread together. They are in fellowship with one another day by day. Now, here's the truth of it. We want day by day results with a week-to-week -week commitment. 
We often want a day-by-day adding to the church, a day-by-day growth, a day-by-day relationship with God, but we only want a week-by-week commitment to the church. That we'll just see each other on Sunday and we'll, we'll, that'll be enough of, that's fellowship. But it was day-by-day that they're walking with each other, that they're knowing each other, that they're caring for each other. What if you only exercised week by week, once a week? Maybe that would just be a big improvement for many of us. But what if you only ate once a week? What if you only brushed your teeth once a week? If you only talked to your spouse or your kids once a week? It's not enough. It's not enough to sustain those things. It's not enough to grow those things. I mean, you brush your teeth once a week. If you do, I hope it's on Sunday when I see you. But by Tuesday, by Wednesday, like you don't even want to think about it, right? What that's like. Because you got to do it day by day. We, I think as Christians, if you're a follower of Christ, we think that's true about the Bible. I got to be in the word day by day. Pastor says, I don't always do it, but that's important. We think about prayer. I should be praying every day. I think that's important. I, maybe you don't, you don't always do it. You don't always get it, but that's important. I should be day by day. I don't think we think this way about fellowship, that it should be day by day, that every day we should be pressing in and leaning into relationship with other people in the body of Christ, that we should be devoted to fellowship day by day, that fellowship is actually a spiritual discipline. A spiritual discipline is something that does not come naturally to you as a person. It does not come naturally to us to do, but yet is a means of God's grace to grow us spiritually in him. Reading the word is a spiritual discipline. Praying and meditating on the word is is a spiritual discipline. And being in fellowship with one another, being devoted to the fellowship, patiently persistent, leaning in, loving each other is a discipline. It doesn't come naturally to us. And yet we need to do it to get all that God wants for us as a part of following him in the body of Christ. So my question, how are you doing with that? It's not always easy. Listen, COVID makes it hard. I'm not going to deny that. But how are you doing on a week-to-week, on a day-to-day basis and not on a week-to-week basis? How many people in the church, or do you talk to anyone between Monday and Saturday? And you say, well, maybe I'm new to this church, and that's okay, I understand. You know, it takes time to do that, and you got to get in relationship, but, but start with one. Start leaning into relationship. Start leaning into fellowship with one another, because we need this, and we need to, day by day, to be able to do this. Here's what I found when it came to, we started this COVID thing. I'm gonna ask our worship team to come back. When we started this online church and everything and you know, we made those transitions and did that, Here, here's what I learned. The people who had cultivated fellowship before that benefited from it. That when you had already cultivated relationship and fellowship, that you already had a group of people that were checking in on you, that were loving you, that were caring for you, that were that if you hadn't cultivated that beforehand, it was really hard to start it. 
And there was a lot of loneliness that takes place. And that if you didn't want to cultivate it beforehand, that now you even had a greater excuse not to do it. Well, we can't be together. We're distanced. We can't, you know, we have all kinds of excuses we can make now. But the truth is we need to be doing this. We need to be devoted to fellowship, to finding ways to do this. I tried to think, okay, because I know this message can be a little ambiguous, a little obscure, even as Pastor Brian and I were thinking about it this week and praying about it. We were like, what does this look like? What are we saying? What is God asking of us? I think for each of us, you know, you'll have to look at your own life and your own heart. Maybe you're doing really well here. Maybe you're not. Maybe you need to look for an open door to lean into a relationship with someone in the body of Christ to be able to fellowship and spur one another on more. But I thought, you know, there's some examples. I'm not going to give you names, but just in the last couple weeks of, of things that I've seen people do in the body of Christ to Mount Hope that I thought that is pressing into fellowship. There's one person I know who, who is really good at sending notes and emails to people and checking in on them. And that's just her way of encouraging people in the body of Christ. And, and she's really good at, at watching out and noticing people and noticing when people aren't there and, and sending them a note and an email and pressing into fellowship and caring for each other that way. And I thought that's, that's being devoted to the fellowship. There's another uh, man I know who, who uses the Bible app and he invites like eight to 10 guys to be a part of a, 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 you know, a Bible study for like 10 days and read it together and study it together and interact together. And, and I thought that's a way that he's being devoted to fellowship, patiently persistent in it. There's another person I know in the church who when she learns of people who have struggled with COVID and the virus, tries to really reach out to them and send COVID care packages to them that will help to encourage them spiritually and physically in the work and, and, and the healing and the recovery process. And I thought that's being devoted to the fellowship. There's another woman who's constantly asking and reaching out for how she can pray for people in the body of Christ. It was a person who called me a couple weeks ago and said, there's another person in the body who has a great financial need and she hasn't come to the church, but she said, I can come to you and talk about it. Pressing into fellowship. There's a couple in the church who uh, we're at a funeral I did this week, and, and, and I know that they weren't just showing up at the funeral. I know that they had walked with that person in the church for the last several years in the midst of her sickness. That's devoted to fellowship. There's men who come to this room on Saturday morning and pray together for you and for me and for the church, and they're being devoted to fellowship. There's all kinds of other interactions that are taking place that I don't know about, but there are ways, even in the midst of COVID, even with distancing, even with six feet, that we can press into fellowship with one another. And we should seek to do that. Often, I find that you don't know what you've lost until it's gone at times, right? Or you don't have it. I think that's what happened with the coffee hour and things for me, right? In 2004, our, uh, this church, some of you are old timers and you were here back then, we did the last Easter play that we used to do as a church. 
And we used to, this church, we used to do a huge Easter play every year. And we did it for like 10, 11 years. I don't know how many years we did it. But 2004 was the last year of it. Um, and we stopped doing it that year. And it was right. It was, the time, it was time to stop. But we had done it for many years. And, and it was for numerous reasons. It was, it was the right time to stop doing it. But here's what I, we didn't realize was going to happen when we stopped doing the Easter play. I think many of us thought on staff and who were here at the time as a part of ministry, thought that the Easter play was really uh, focused on a week between, you know, Palm Sunday and Easter Sunday, and, and that was the real impact of it. What we realized over the next year when we didn't have it is that there were relationships, somewhat discord that came up. There was difficulties that came up that didn't come up in years before. And I'm not going to say it was all attributed to this, but I couldn't help but notice that when we weren't conducting this common mission together, and it wasn't just a week between Palm Sunday and Easter, it was like six months of our year together, sewing costumes, writing scripts, building sets, inviting people. It was like six months of the church year. And when you take that out, all of a sudden, people didn't know how to relate to one another in some ways. And you lost something. There was a fellowship that was created that was lost. It's important. And I just think about that and I think uh, in this time when we are not all meeting in person, we have some people here, but there's more of you watching behind this camera than there are in this room today. And let's just be careful and recognize that we need to be very intentional and disciplined when it comes to being in fellowship with one another during this time. Let's pray. Lord, Father, we need you. We know this. That's why we're here. But Lord, we need each other. We need each other, Lord. We need the body of Christ. We need others to spur us on, to encourage us, and we need to be encouraging and spurring others on. Lord, I pray that you would help us to see and know how we're supposed to do this during this time. Help us to love you and to love each other well, to know what it means to be in fellowship, in koinonia, in partnership, in participation with one another. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.